Hello and welcome to our podcast, On Your Marks. My name is Peter and I am the leader of St Mark's Church in Jersey, a growing, friendly Anglican church in the centre of St Helier. We want to take the Bible apart and see what's really in there, going beyond the face value to dig a little deeper into certain topics. We will bring you fresh content every week and hope you get a lot out of listening. So, if you're ready, let's go. Good afternoon, Ray. Good afternoon. And a good afternoon to everybody listening. I keep saying good afternoon, but actually, you could be listening in the Anytime. morning. Yeah. Evening, it could be whenever. It just seems to be when Ray and I meet in the, uh, the afternoon. And it's when I'm awake. It's, <laughs> it's relevant, in fact. <laughs> is this awake after a nap, or is it just awake? <laughs> oh, it's... Mind you, the naps happen with a growing frequency. Um, I suppose at one time I would have laughed of old, laughed at old men who went to sleep, but I sleep frequently nowadays, and um, I'm not refreshed in doing so. Oh and no! It's uh, so yeah. We we've got a time. You needn't know when it is, but it's a time when I'm actually awake and reasonably alert. <laughs> On the one hand, I'm, I am envious. The idea of having an afternoon nap is lush, but uh, no, yeah. if it doesn't refresh it doesn't, you... It doesn't do any good whatsoever. It feels <laughs> terrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, we ap- I anyway. appreciate the time. <laughs> yep. um, we've been saying for weeks now um, we would love people to send in questions because we want this podcast to be relevant, to meet people with the issues that they're going through right now. We're aiming to unpack the Bible, see what's really there. And we have a question, Hmm. Ray. So I'm going to start with that from one of our listeners. Um, The question isn't actually relevant to last week. So it it must be, they must have listened to one from a previous week. But the question is, um, is a child, so I'm thinking he's meaning a baby, is a child automatically holy when does sin come into the picture? Right. I've always understood that this is a challenging area for people, and I my mind goes back to holding my own children, baptising each of them, in fact, and the concept that all these might be sinners or not sinners is important to people. My understanding of the Bible is that because the man sinned, Adam sinned, the relationship between God and the man was damaged, sin had come in, and sin from that point on was inherited through the human race. The relationship between God and us is damaged. Um, And therefore, we need to be set free from that. Then you say to me, well, but that, that little baby you had in your arms all those years ago um, couldn't do anything about it. No, but I did everything for them. I, I and myself and Nicola, we decided that that child would be baptised. We decided where they'd go to school. We decided how they would live. We decided when to discipline them and not. All, all the things of life day by day, we were responsible for them. And so we expressed 
the desires that we had as a Christian family under which umbrella those children lived and that was the area of responsibility and that's how we understood it um, until that child was able to take on board themselves their decision making, their responsibilities and everything. So I never had a problem really with that whole area, it didn't, it didn't bother me. I accepted that we spoke for them, just as we did at their baptism. I accepted that we believed that we had their interests at heart in all things. Until they were old enough to take Until it on board themselves. Until they were old enough to take it on board themselves. What about a child then who dies before they have the opportunity to take it I on don't, board? I see them in exactly the same position. Um, I don't... I, I see them under the umbrella of that Christian family. Well, look, I'm, I hope that's answered the listener's question, but as we've been saying before... Submit more questions if you have keep, any more. Keep them coming, yeah, we'll try. Um, you know, if, if there are a few questions that kind of are around the same topic, maybe we have to devote one week to sort of mm, un- yeah, unpacking no that issue. Give it a little, little more time. Yeah. yeah, brilliant. Well, thank you for that, Ray, on the spot. Um, so this week we are following on from Sunday, which was Pentecost, um, and we're in Acts chapter 2. Yeah, exciting chapter in the Bible, isn't it? Exciting chapter... Indeed. So, um, Acts chapter 2, we've got, um, just remembering now, 13 verses. Uh, actually, I'm only doing up to 12 verses. There we go. So, um, I'll read and then hand over to you. Mm. So, the coming of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and, um, oh, I can't say that word, prostatites, you can correct me in a second, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, mocking, said they are filled with new wine. Hmm. Yep. Can I just jump back to that? In verse 11, how do I say that word? Both proselytes. 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 Proselytes meaning people who have been converted. Yes. Proselytes, yeah. Okay, brilliant. Ray, (laughs) my goodness me. (laughs) Lovely lovely passage. It's one that I treasure for all sorts of reasons. Yeah. 
Partly, I suppose, because um, the context, the Christian context in which I grew up from my, certainly my teens onwards, um, was fairly orthodox evangelical Christian congregation, um, good biblical teaching, sound stuff right through into my upper teens and, and slightly beyond. Um, but with very little emphasis or reference to the Holy Spirit. Right. Um, and that wasn't unusual in, in that time. And we're, we're talking about, I suppose, the 1960s and thereabouts, 1950s, 60s. I was well-grounded and well-founded in good biblical teaching, strong stuff, and put me in a very good place in lots of ways. But it, it left a gap. And so when I discovered the activity, person and work of the Holy Spirit, um, it was an extraordinary um, revelation and new experience for me. Um, and that happened in some wonderful ways, in, in a real sense. Um, worth mentioning, perhaps, do you mm, think? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, it was, I'm just trying to think of the timing. We're, we're really basically going back to the early 1960s, which is a time when what happened in the board, in the church in the UK was referred to as the charismatic renewal. When some folk came over from the US um, and shared what had happened in their churches about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in a special way with the manifestations of various gifts as per in the teaching of the New Testament. Um, and we um, were on a Christian holiday at a place called Lee Abbey in Devon. And um, we still remember it. Nicola was, we weren't sitting together at supper. And Nicola was sitting next to an older gentleman who, out of the blue, simply said, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? And um, she sort of hummed and hard a little bit. Um, and this was followed up. And through this, we were told of a gathering in a room, room in the... In, in Lee Abbey, the conference centre, it was the chaplain's study. And Christine McNair, well, I got the name back, she, Deaconess Christine McNair, and she arranged this meeting for a small number of people who had expressed an interest in the Holy Spirit. And we were prayed for in that context, and as a consequence, we discovered the gift of tongues initially, um, having not known anything whatsoever about it. During the meeting? No, no. It, was, it was, for me, it was um, on my return home, um, beside my bed, 
I was so overwhelmed with a sense of God's blessing. And I started to do something very strange, mm. speaking a language that I didn't recognise, had never understood. Um, and all I was aware of was that it was I was praising God in a way that was totally new and beyond my experience. Not beyond my control, because I was my, t my lips that were moving and my voice that was operational. Um, and so that was an, an out of the blue, quite extraordinary, unexpected, the launch into something very different. And through that, we fairly rapidly got to know quite a lot of key people who we identified with, we were helped by. Um, there were some wonderful, mature and godly Christians in the West Country who we knew well. There was one very dear chap who's with the Lord now called Edgar Trout. Um, there was Arthur Wallace. The whole range of people who had extraordinary gifts of the Holy Spirit and the exciting thing was that very few of them got what I call stuck on tongues. Mm. The gift of tongues is a gift of the Holy Spirit, which is, an, um, which is given to help us to worship God. It's a gift of God. But if you get stuck there, you have not explored the range of of good things that God has for you. Um, and in, it was always laid on my heart that discerning of spirits, for instance, was something of so much more significance and importance, yeah. um, and which I always believed God for. Um, that in the context, that was so important. So that that's how we as it had what you used to call our Pentecost, if you like. Mm. Um, I don't believe you can repeat Pentecost personally, theologically, but the, the impact of Pentecost and what it is meant, intended to mean in the life of the believer um, is something we should be knowing and believing for. I like how in your story it actually happened, well, when you say it actually happened, you, you realised that that first, you know, manifestation was actually alone by your bedside. Yeah. And quite often people get hung up with the big and elaborate and today with social media and everything put out there on a video, people often want these big, big moments where actually yeah. I've experienced far more sort of, sort of the blessing comes with a work comes with a hidden, well, a meaning, but I've experienced far more alone. Yeah. Just yes, I think the intimacy of our relationship with Christ is such that the really big events in our pilgrimage are in the private place. Yes. Um, they're the ones that are going to make the difference and they're going to last. I think, personally... Um, I would advise people to pray, believe, 
and move on. Um, enjoy what the Word of God says about the gifts of the Spirit, but don't see that as the be-all and end-all of everything by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, for a start, you've got both gifts and graces. Um, in, so what's uh, the difference? And, well, there is the, the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, goodness, and so on. Um, Galatians 6. And um, then you have the gifts of the Spirit, those in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 and others elsewhere. Um, there's Romans 12. There are gifts. So you have gifts, you have graces, you have, you have the powerful works of the Holy Spirit and you have the gentle works of the Holy Spirit. You have the loveliness of his fruit. You have the power of his gifts. Um, and, and that's only in terms of the manifestation of the Spirit in the life of the believer and in the life of the Christian community. And there's so much more, so much more. Um, so don't think, oh, I've spoken in tongues, I've got it all. That's rubbish. It really is. It really is a, a sadness in my heart. When the gift of tongues is accessible to all. It's a, it's a gift Paul says he wants everybody, all believers, to have. There are varying approaches to that. Um, I personally, um, because I refuse to get hung up about it, and always have, it's up to God. Mm. If he manifests himself in that particular way, then it's fine. If he doesn't, it's fine. I'm not going to get worked up about it. Doesn't might, help. This might be a slight tangent, but why, why is it important that all the languages were present? So every, everybody, all the devout men from every nation under heaven, is there some significance to that? Do you think? I, th I think there are implied lessons here about the immediacy of the application of the gospel. I think, first of all, you've got to perhaps consider whether what is referred to here as speaking in tongues is of the same order as that which, which Paul refers to as speaking in tongues in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. Okay. Um, yeah. Here, it is clearly... Um, spoken languages that were understood. Mm. Now, some people say, oh, it was probably a miracle of hearing, so they actually heard in their own language. Um, but I, I think that's a, stretching things a bit too far. Um, but here there is, it would appear strongly that what was spoken were languages that were known by those there. So you've got an immediate emphasis on that primary purpose of the gift of the Holy Spirit, which was to equip the people of God to proclaim the message of the gospel and to do so worldwide. So that, you know, this is not for you in some upper room. At any way, I don't think it was in an upper room, by the way. I, if, 
if um, what does it say at the end? Um, it just said through the house. They are together in one place. Yeah, but uh, and it was followed by Peter's sermon, and as a response to his sermon, those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about three thousand souls. So about three thousand people heard it at least. Yeah, there's not enough room. <laughs> so um, clearly, it was in a public place. Would suggest it's in a public place. Um, present were people from all over the known world at that time, and that emphasis is that the Holy Spirit has that primary role of facilitating the spread of the gospel worldwide. So if you get stuck on devotional introspection, as I would sometimes call it, um, without recognising the importance of that major impact intended by the Spirit of God, then you've missed out entirely. So verse 13 says, But others, mocking, said they're filled with new wine. 3,000 listened and were added, but we can't even assume that was a majority. There were a no. huge number of others. It does amaze me to think that there could have been that many people seeing something and then not believe. But then... That's always the case. It's always the case. Yeah. If your heart is closed, it's closed. If your mind says no... It's no. Mm. And it's only if you are moved by God that you can respond. You said that, you know, what a big thing you've had going on in your mind throughout your life is not being stuck <laughs> in tongues. So what would you say then to somebody who has either never experienced any gift of the Spirit or maybe is kind of stuck and that's where they think they right. are? If they are saying, if somebody is saying, oh, well, I've never really experienced a gift of the Spirit, firstly, broaden your horizons a bit and recognize that Jesus is a gift of God, referred to in the same language as the gifts of 1 Corinthians 12. There is a breadth to our understanding of what it means to have a gift of God in that way. Grace gifts, God's grace manifested, made known for people to receive and understand. So there is so much more. Um, don't therefore judge God by saying, well, you know, you haven't given me anything, is what you're saying there. Mm. He has. Um, and then, but the second thing is to recognise that there's always more. There is always going to be more. You'll never arrive this side of glory. Glory is where we have it all. And wow, that will be something else. Indeed. But what could be stopping somebody then? Is it they're just, they're, you're saying they yep. need to broaden the horizon? All sorts of things. Um, ignorance, um, obviously, if we... They don't realise what they have in Christ. Soak yourself in the Gospels. Understand what you know what Christ wants to give us, um, 
and to bless us with. So, yeah, yeah lack of that appreciation is one of the things. Um, sometimes people um, harbour doubts that really do drag them back. Um, well, that's something that you have to confess, I'm afraid, and be forgiven for, because mm. there are issues, there, there are sins in your life that impact on your ability to grow in grace. There's sometimes a bit of a conflict going on in individuals' lives that they there's something deep within them that wants to move forward with God, but there's a barrier, and that barrier sometimes, sometimes can relate to past practices, past sins, things that have been wrong, things that need to be got right. And don't make an issue of it, just get it put right. Yeah. Forgiveness, healing, and go on. Move on. Yeah. Is it, am I right in saying as well, so you, you, know, you, you talked about speaking in, when you speaking in tongues you were aware that you were praising God and that's all you really were aware of that was going on but gifts of the spirit the purpose is to equip people to fulfill God's call on them and so if somebody has been given a, a particular gift it's something to be used and that yeah. could help discern what they may be called to do yeah. and use not um, essentially for, for oneself but for the blessing of the church. Blessing of the church. For the people of God. Yep. So the message, Ray, today for people to be left on is a fantastically encouraging one. Oh, it is. Isn't it? Because it's all there for us. Yeah. And all these years on, I, I value speaking in tongues. Um, I enjoy... My observation of other good things that are going on, and you know, you don't stop, keep going. <laughs> and I wonder then whether St. Paul refers to the tongues of men and of angels, and I begin to wonder whether you know the tongues of men are getting a little bit muddled, but the angels' tongues are coming. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing the angels tell Yes, yeah. Fabulous. Well, uh, great conversation. Thanks for your time this week, Ray. Okay. Thank you. We do hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to like and subscribe and share with your friends on social media. And please do get in touch with any suggestions or comments you may have. Thanks for listening and see you next time.